It's four o'clock on a Monday, and you know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. <laughs> Hello, you guys. Kind of weird for me being on this side of the computer, but we are thrilled. Thank you for being patient. We had a, a tech problem, which is solved now, and I am so happy that we are here with my great friend, Wynn Krozak. Glad to be here. It's an honor. Thank you. It's an honor. Wow. It's an honor. <laughs> well, you know, I haven't seen you with know, the COVID and everything. I haven't I seen know. you too, too, too long. It's, it's been at so, least two years, I yeah, think. Two um, years too many. It has been. Anyway, um, when and I have been friends for, I don't know, six, seven, eight years, something like that. I've been over to this room before and just wanted to share it with all of you guys because it's a cool place. Um, but let's start out by when tell them, first of all, you should know when has been with PRS since they only had 17 employees and now they've got over 400. So he's an old Like dog. 32 years. Yeah. yeah, 32 years. He's got nine patents of stuff that he worked on at the company. He was an R&D guy. And now what's your gig and why are you here well, on the West Coast? Well, I, I, I talked them into letting me take over the West Coast Artist Showroom in LA. But I, you know, I started in 1989, and I was just helping Paul with uh, building guitar amplifiers and uh, building cabinets and things like that. And um, next thing I know, I turned into the R&D director. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, from designing guitars, bridges, piezo, you know, all the equipment and all the CNC stuff to build the guitars. It's crazy. Do so, you have an engineering background? I mean, like. Well, I, I, look, when I was a kid, I used to walk this, the alleys of Baltimore City and get uh, broken TVs and, and radios and turn them into guitar amplifiers, not knowing anything of what I was doing except making it happen. Yeah. So I was a complete seat of the pants or it just had an instinct to, to make it happen so wow it was it was fun but um so anyway so um after about 18 years of um doing r d literally i would with the cnc code i would see 280,000 lines of code of cnc code for carving the necks yeah just so everybody knows with everything okay over there tom you mm -hmm. look stressed mm -hmm. are they the chat room is acknowledging that they're seeing us I think we're good to go. Okay. Uh, oh, good. Tell everybody what CNC is. Computer I, numerical controlled milling machines. So it so, carves the Yeah, so the, all the bodies come out consistent, all the necks come out consistent, and it's all carved by machine. But um, I used to have to, you know, create all the jigs, fixtures, and the programming to do all that stuff. And it got to a point where I would look at a piece of paper, and all of a sudden I would see the, the machines, what they were doing. I'm thinking, man, it's time to do something different. Yeah, plus I was going cross-eyed and blind from staring at computer screens. And I enjoyed creating things, but um, it was time to do something else. So the artist relations position found its way open. And I thought, well, this is great. I mean, I helped Paul work on creating a lot of this stuff. And I knew it in intimately down to the alloys and the bridges. I'm thinking, well, man, now I can work with the guys as their own personal musical engineer. And so I took over that and I, we built the share. We, we, we created the Nashville market. Yeah. And then we did the California market. But I wasn't, we built the room here, but I wasn't actually, I was still in Maryland. But anyway, so um, they had the opportunity looking for somebody to run this room. I'm saying, well, I can ace this. Plus, I always wanted to do motion picture soundtracks anyway. I figured I was never going to do that from Maryland. That's and sure. as I'm getting older, the cold, for, you know, goes into the bones and stuff. I'm thinking, ah, this. So anyway, the long and short is I'm out here and I love it. And it's been a blessing. And 
But, you know, and then I get to meet people like you. Yeah, real celebrity. <laughs> so, just so you guys know, this room is on a lot of rehearsal studios. Um, rattle off some of the names that have been in and out of here over the years, because they come well, in this building to rehearse for a tour. There's like four, it's, it's at center staging, and there's 14 rehearsal studios here, and then there's an artist relations building with Fender and Steinway and Roland and us and J.H. Audio. But, um, uh, what was the point then when you were trying to... Um, oh, I just oh, want them to facility. know, like, the, the, the level of artists. That oh, okay, so the best it ever was, all at the same time, I remember Grammys, that within 150 feet of me, all at the same time, it was Paul McCartney, the Rolling Stones, Crosby, Stills, Nash, Josh Groban, Alison James, Kesha, Gaga, Justin Timberlake, Stevie Wonder, and a couple others, all at the same time. So you never really know... Who's going to walk into your office and they at do. any time? I mean, and that, they do. They just I mean, literally walk in. Too. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and plus, I have the door to the outside, which most of them don't. So I have the three largest rehearsal studios right to my door. So we'll use this as a green room. So I remember one time we had Dolly Parton and Miley Cyrus in here for a couple hours. And um, um, uh, Rolling Stones music director here doing a with um, USA Today, so it's, yeah, it's, it's fun. You never know what's going to happen. So, Wynn is also an audio engineer and an incredible musician to boot, um, and not just well, on guitar, but on keyboards. Uh, yeah. he, he does amazing stuff with the keyboard, but Tom, pan over and show the console. So, <laughs> Tom's panning, holding my that is, up. That is the BET Television ATI Paragon. And so Wynn buys like old gear <laughs> for pennies on the dollar. And it's almost it, criminal. It's almost it is criminal. <laughs> and later on, we'll show you. He's got like the Eagles live concert uh, console sitting over there about 15 feet away from us. And he's got it. Tell him about your keyboard rig that's over there. because the, Well, see what happens uh, is with the gear, though. It, it helps draw all the, That's I get the whole, I don't get just the guitar players, right. which are hard to fish out of the, the rehearsal studios, but I can hit the rooms when they're first setting up and their monitor engineers and the front of house engineers and the techs, right. all of their techs, and they get one taste of the room and it's like being in a cross between a museum, a <laughs> guitar and amp gallery and a studio, all the same thing. Next thing I know, I have the whole band. I remember one time I had um, Justin Timberlake's whole band just jamming in here. It was, an, you know, that was an honor too. That was, that was a blast. So when we'll sit down at his Yamaha, explain, the Yamaha is midied. And what's the technical name of the Yamaha? It's a Yamaha Disc Clavier Pro, one of the first series. And it's a 7.6. And that's another... God bless it, five cents on the dollar story. But um, anyway, so literally you draw, it, it's fully robotic recording reproducing and you can, so you, can you drive a full, I drive a full symphony orchestra from the concert grand. If you can hear it, you can play it. Right, so he yeah. sits down. And from he, a real concert grand. But yeah. he ad-libs stuff that sounds like it should be a film score. It's quite amazing. And, and it literally sounds like an orchestra. So he leaves the doors open and inevitably the bands that are working around here go, where's that coming what from? What the hell is that? Yeah, and they walk in here and realize it's the PRS showroom. You know, and, yeah, well, next thing you know, you've got Gaga poking her nose. What the hell's going on in here? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, you've got a job that's, 
not only enviable, but uh, it's probably most musicians' dream jobs. Well, they're more than welcome to come in any time. You know, it's just that the fun is in the sharing. And yeah. I've been too blessed. I've been too blessed not to share. That's the one thing you learn as you get older. Um, um, giving forward is actually being greedy because it comes back tenfold. It's true, though. <laughs> it's you know, you just do the right thing and you give forward and you help people, and it just. It, it, Miraculous. Stuff. You are a giver. I will give you that. <laughs> uh, let's talk guitars a little let's bit. Let's do that. Um, yeah. First of all, what was Paul's? Give me the short version of Paul's history. Why did he start building guitars? Well, he started building guitars around three or four years, I think, before I started with him. Um, was he a working musician? Yeah, yeah. And I, his story is, is that he didn't think that he was going to be able to be in a big touring act, so. His alternative was to make some of the best guitars in the world, and he was uh, working in a, a guitar repair facility, so he was fixing, you know, Gibsons and Fenders. And in the meantime, he's taking all the notes on, you know, what could, what, what could be better about them, you yeah. know. And it's interesting when you look at it, even down to the scale length, he shot right down the middle, and you could accommodate both schools of music on the same guitar, you know, and. Um, that's the one thing that's really great being working for a company where the owner is actually a really great player. I've seen him hold his own absolutely neck and neck with Santana on the stage in front of 35,000 no people. I had no idea. Oh yeah, he's a great player. Wow. And, well, the most important thing too is he knows how to get the tone in from your, it really from your, your fingers. Hands, yeah. You know, like we call them the two note guys. Um, the guys that you hear two notes and you know exactly who it is just hearing two notes like Eddie Van Halen, Carlos Santana, you know, that kind of a thing, you know. Interesting. Just, you know. I would say that about drummers. Uh, oh. I, I can hear, like, a, a record and decent educated guests, like was uh -huh. it Steve Gadd or Jim Keltner. Anyway, it's a gift. Um, you've got it's a, it's, they're all blessings, yeah, they're all blessings. Yeah. So, okay, let's talk guitars. Do you want to start with those guys or do you want to start with these yeah, guys? Yeah, well, the, the, some of the most recent ones um, have been, you know, some of the John Mayer um, yeah. Silver Skies, and they just recently released um, an Indonesian um, model that's significantly less money, but um, as equally as impressive. You know, I've got a lot of the artists. Well, let, let's pick a wall and stand up and yeah, point okay. to it. <laughs> Poor Tom. See, you may have to stand up. Yeah. But, uh, no, no, we'll try to we'll bring it to you. <laughs> we'll bring it to you. So um, this is um, the John Mayer Silver Sky that's made in Indonesia, and it's got the satin neck on it, so nice. it feels great. And the, I think they believe they changed their the radius to a slightly larger radius. But this, it may be a less expensive guitar, but it's not in terms of quality. It's uh, it's on the same level of quality of, of some of the best of some of the other guitar companies. So um, what does a guitar like this retail for? It's difficult for me because I usually only work in artist pricing, which uh, I don't want to give the artist pricing right. out. But I think this is somewhere around, I think I've seen them on uh, dealers. I think I'm not a, a price sales guy. Don't hold it. Don't hold me to it. So I think that it was somewhere around um, $825 to $900. I've got to say, the finish on this, all, all of these guitars have amazing finishes. 
uh, in, in this like creamy, kind of like a creamy. This is called gun. Moon White. Yeah, this one's called Moon White. It's like a classic 60s guitar. Thing. And the thing I really like about this one is, um, you know, some single coil guitars, they sound kind of scooped out in the mids. Yeah. And some of the old ones around 61 really had um, a lot more fundamental in the notes from the pickups. And that's the one thing that I find that's really astonishing on this one is that it seems like there's more fundamental. You still have the pretty highs and lows, but there's more meat in the note. Yeah. And so um, that's this one. And then here's is that accomplished by the, the way the pickups are wound or by the electronics? Well, it's interesting. I used to work with Lindy Fralin designing pickups and designing pickups. So, um, I'm not sure which tricks they used on this one because I've been out in California now for about 10 years and not in R&D department. So you know everything about avocados. There's a lot to know about <laughs> avocados. The fun part was that I literally got paid for you know a long time to literally try to find out the stuff that's not in books about why things work or how things work or why they sounded like that then now that they don't sound like this i mean sound like that then yeah, but right. not now yeah and so that was a you know it's it's an interesting journey working with some of the uh radar engineers with hewler packard on wire and things like that so wow it's beautiful okay so here's the american counterpart the u.s counterpart i should say and this one has you can come in a rosewood fingerboard, but it's also, this one's a maple fingerboard. And this one also has a satin neck. But um, I just landed on one of these um, with Jocko with um, the Kelly Clarkson show. So yeah, we just got that one on that one. And um, I uh, had just recently gotten some guitars on the Grammys that they didn't use this model. Yeah. And of course the Super Bowl, which was huge. You know, that, that guitar is like... The chrome one. They had the chrome one, that, which is what we don't do because we're not allowed to modify guitars. But um, I know the guy that's, that does it for all the award shows. So, yeah. so um, they, they did that, but that guitar, he not, not I think uh, it was worth $233,000 a second when it's on the Super Bowl. But then what was really fascinating, Rob, who, Rob Geringer, who was playing the guitar with Adam Blackstone's production, he was right next to um, Eminem when Eminem took the knee. Yeah. The next thing you know, it's on the front page of the uh, New York Times and the Washington Post. So it was media stuff that you just could never get. Did, did they actually paint it chrome or did they No, it was a wrap. wrap. It was like, a wrap. Like the wrap that they Yeah, and those chrome wraps are usually pretty fragile too. You yeah. know, they can scratch easily, but they certainly look good. And it's crazy because I've done some chrome wraps for the Super Bowl before for Mike Scott with Justin Timberlake, yeah. where I did a red, white, and blue chrome, blue chrome, red chrome, and this white chrome um, with American flag. And it didn't get the kind of reaction that this got. I probably maybe because it, you know, it was John's guitar. It was, right. you know, but um, wow. it took, I mean, I think they think that guitar is worth $100,000 now. You know, rumor has it, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, speaking of guitars where they don't really have a price. Can you talk about these guys on the yeah, wall? Yeah, real quick, because uh, I know they like to have things that they currently make. So these are both one of a kind. I keep them in here because this way we can show like the museum grade quality that um, PRS is known for. So these are both one of ones, our sort of brother and sister. This is the only single cut 
McCarty 594 hollow body to my knowledge in existence and it's pretty crazy looking to say the least and um, with a curly mahogany neck and then this guitar is the same as this it's a hollow body but I elected to put a five inch center block down it and not cut the F holes in and this one's quite beautiful as well. Do and they, they sound dramatically different? Um, this one sounds like it's got a little more directivity and power steering and hitting you with a hammer. <laughs> for the, where this one, the envelope of the attack might be a little, you know, more of a, an, a complex path. Is that a technical term? That no, it's, it's, it, well, it's, that's <laughs> interesting. That's the fun part as a, a former R&D director working with artists is you learn to try to find the terms that aren't truly technical right. but that they kind of can relate to. to and vice versa they tell me things and i have to you know relate it to a technical it term yeah. yeah it's like yeah. oh that's a great new term but, i think um, i'll steal it so, so I, uh, this is my 15 year employee guitar this is my 30 year employee guitar. so these are your personal guitars yeah yeah oh when you said they were employee guitars i didn't know what that meant yeah wow i, I had the uh, luxury of being able to literally tell them exactly what i wanted to do and since i knew of the cnc programs i could you know kind of just cross channel the stuff and so wow. They're both one of ones. Yeah. If you so, had to guesstimate a price, what those would go for? Is that I don't think I'd let I'd the set, I think as a match set like that and being one of ones, I think I'd probably 30 grand. Wow. Yeah. Something like that. They're gorgeous. But it's what whatever somebody's willing to pay. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I can't. I haven't been able to bring myself to let go of it yet. No, you shouldn't. Uh, I mean, for one thing, you know, it, it's a compliment to your longevity at the company that they give you those. That's oh, question. you are the uh, Paul's very, very generous in how he treats all the employees. I think you get. It used to be when I was there, you'd get well, like a one year or two year, a five year, a seven year, a ten year. Now they've got four hundred employees. <laughs> so now it's. I think it's five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five, thirty. So a couple more years tonight, get number thirty-five. Wow! Yeah, yeah. God very, willing. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. There you and go. so, so some of the other guitars. Let's yeah. See. This is the Mark Materi model. The Fiari. This is a great workhorse guitar. And um, I tell you what, you know, a lot of times you do the coil taps on this, and this instead of a coil tap, this is um, switches it between series and parallel, and actually. I think I like, uh, instead of doing a cool tap on the treble pickup, I think I like doing it in parallel. It, it brightens up the, the top end, it, you know, because you don't have the, um, the humbucking doing the cancellations. But um, it still has a rich warmth, but it's really, really twangy on this guitar. And then this enables so that you can, you know, do sort of a, an old... Um, fender trick with having the two different pickups mm -hmm. um, and then um, so these are yeah these stay as single coils but then this pickup can do a um, from between series to parallel instead of a coil tab. Does it make a significant difference in the sound going between? Yes them? very much so. How, in what way? Um, uh, you, you, it'll change the mid bass so you'll lose some of the like 300 hertz or so in which the way range. when, when you yeah, lose it, it go yeah you know, it'd be diminished so you'll get more high end when you're in series or parallel in parallel okay and a more and a better lower apparent low end even though it might be close to the same just because it's changing the frequencies in the mids 
How much does the wood in the body of the guitar affect the tonality? Listen, everything yeah. makes a difference more than you could ever imagine. So I what's mean, the ultimate wood that people should aspire well, to? Well, I don't think there's an ultimate wood. I think, I think, it's, taste? I think it's, it's the tool. Yeah. You know, um, uh, like the, the Silver Skies, I believe the, the ones from Indonesia are poplar and, um, and then the ones from the United States, uh, from the U.S. are alder. And they're equally good, but there's just, you know, a Different little bit time. of sonic character, you know, Interesting. differences. So I don't believe in necessarily a, a better or worse. It depends what you're trying to do with it. So that's the other thing that's fun, too, is from the engineering background and the playing background, I kind of look at these as like sonic crayons, and um, I get to work personally with the guys, and so I, it's important for me to listen to what they do and what they're asking for, or turning, turn them on to possibilities that they don't know exist. The players. Yeah. 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 Um, and how much does the wood in the neck affect the tonality? Well, it's a lot, even just changing the fingerboard from rosewood to uh, a maple. I mean, it's a little more staccato, I believe, in general, because there are always exceptions to the rule. Usually a, a maple fingerboard with a maple neck versus a rosewood would be a little on the brighter side and a little more staccato. Okay. Yeah. Uh, interesting to know. I've never asked that question before, but now oh. I know. I've um, got, I've it's got crazy. A, a strap with a maple I know. Neck. I, I probably can't get into some of all the details, of, you know, but um, yeah. just wire. Just wire, just wire alone. I mean, there's certain types of wire that you can do where it'll change the resonant peak of the pickup by 1K by moving the shield an inch and a half. Really? It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. So you do know everything about. No, I know. Well, <laughs> you know that was one of the, the joys of the job is that well, see, in the old days too, yeah, it's R and D. The R and D guy, there was only one R person in R and D. So you got to do A through Z from concept to sourcing the parts to working with the machine shops and the military. There were times when I actually had a relationship with the U.S. Army's rapid prototyping lab. And what was cool is I could have it all in 3D and isometric view on my computer. And then on a Wednesday, and I send them the following Wednesday, and by Friday morning I would have parts sitting on my desk within three thousandths of an inch at one-tenth the money. How often did you guys conceptualize the guitar and everybody's nodding in the meeting? Yep, we got it all figured oh, out. Oh, that, no, oh, no, that, the meeting sounds like crap. Well, no, I don't, I don't remember anything not working. Oh, okay. but, I, but, you know, it's interesting creating by committee, which in the old days there was probably a lot more of than what there is now. You know, because there are a lot more R&D people. I'm not at the factory, but I think there might be at least four to seven in our, you know, because it's the company that's so like big. Great ears. Uh, I mean, obviously, the guys who are testing these after they built, after they're built, they can't just be testing like, oh, this finger yeah, well, has I, great I'm, playability. It's I was very tonality. I was very blessed because um, I had many, many years of ear training, classical ear training, and then with the audio engineering stuff that I was doing. Then, you know, I always tell the kid the most important thing is to be able to put a number on the frequencies so you right. know what you're talking about and you know how to really manipulate and what you're doing yeah so i had i had years and years of doing that from being a, as a kid 
But um, I don't think I don't. I think most of the R and D people over there now are just really great with a lot of the the engine the, the engineering software, and um, and you know which is great because Paul has a vision and it's Paul's vision and, and that's what he he achieves with you know, achieves on getting the results. Does he have the final word? As, as, Absolutely. As and as Paul's a, ears are great. Paul's and as ears, a player, I mean, as a player, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know anybody that knows guitars or cares to know about guitars. As much as he does. That is the cool thing about PRS. And I'm going to give a plug here. But uh, other companies have been bought and sold and bought and sold and regime changes and, you know, a whole new set of employees. A place where you didn't have a guitar player at the top. Right. And PRS has always had Paul and it's always been hardcore guys like you. So it is truly guitars built by players for other players. It truly is. I'm, um, like I said, I haven't actually. I take short visits, but I've been out here for almost 10 years now. So, um, but uh, I don't know a, a lot of the people that are over there now, but I know when I was working there, almost a majority of the people that were working guitars were either drummers, keyboard players, guitar players. They were all musicians. Yeah. Or most of them were musicians or really good wood, woodworkers, you know, in the art of wood. So. Well, we're going to talk more guitars in a minute, but Tom, can you pan to your right and show them? <laughs> when has a drum set in the room? <laughs> well, Tom. it's not really Tom. just a drum set. I know. It's, um, it's the whole room is, there's been a lot of efforts here now with uh, center stage and like Korg is right next to me and then there's Steinway and then the Fender room is down there. And so one of the things that's, that's happening is, um, um, a lot of the rooms are going to streaming, live, you know, live streaming and streaming a product. And what was really important to me is to, to be able to have the whole band being a part of the fun. And so when, you have, so when you have the band and you have the drummer and the rhythm section there, the guitar is not just doing just like a riff or something. They're they're getting onto it at, at full tilt. This you know, is 100%. not guitar center. You know, guitar center is yeah. famous for the little room where the guy goes takes a guitar and sits in there and noodles on it for half an yeah. hour. Uh, yeah, you're right. This is well. The the other thing that's that's interesting too is because this way I'm I'm intertwined with their music. I'm not just a guy to come to if you think you want a guitar. I'm friends with them. I try to try to be, you know, keep my chops up so I can try to be a peer, you know, because it's difficult to work with somebody if you know if you're not working on the same level. Do and they? So, so do they come to you and you hang with them and get a feel for what they're about as a player? And then you earlier said that guitars are like crayons. Like yeah, that. right. They're colors. So, yeah. Yeah. So do you like? Say, you know yeah. what, I think this would suit you well. Take it and work on the rehearsal stage. Well, here's day. here's sort of my trick with it. I, first of all, it feels like I'm a professional matchmaker in a dating uh, dating um, company. Yeah, I know okay. the feeling. Yeah, <laughs> and so I have to, you know, match. I, I'm usually pretty good, I think. I think I can do it within two guitars. Wow. So the most important thing is to listen. I Like, to me, um. A lot of times the uh, guitar players don't even know the prejudices that they have. It's basically how did they grow up? What did they play growing up? Did they switch off or have they been playing all single coils their whole life? Have they been playing humbuckers? 
Does it make any, doesn't make any difference to them. They'll pick up whatever they need for whatever. So you got to find out where their heart, their musical heart is. And then you find out what they have. Okay, what they currently have. Because they generally aren't asking you for something they already have. They're, they're on the search for something or, or something that's not doing it doing it for them. Am I crazy to think that a pro guitarist that's going out and playing stadium gigs, um, obviously they have an array of guitars that they bring with them, but yeah. if they you know, if they were limited they would have like one fender, one Gibson, one acoustic, and that would be, you know, their the arrows in their quiver. But PRS represents like it's aspirational. It's a level up from that and can be, you know, tonally in the ballpark of those things, but better. Well, I'd say like maybe in the beginning, we were had more of like one type voice because we only had one uh, scale length. Yeah. And we were primarily humbuckers. But in the past 10 years or so, we've expanded uh, the guitar line um, physically up to the different scale lengths and the different kinds of pickups and the different kinds of bridges and stuff that I feel that we can pretty much accommodate anybody. Okay. So, you know, it's funny when somebody says, um, oh, this guy will never do play your guitar because he uses this. So I treat artist relations and guitars like divorces. You don't know what you're in love with until you're in love with something else. <laughs> <laughs> so that's part of the, that's part of the one of the things I try to do is if, especially I tell them to bring their number one guitar in here. Because if I play their number one, then I'm going to be able to feel and know why they love what they love. Whether I like that or whether it's for me or not, I'll be able to understand it physically. And then I can go off that and I know which direction. But I can usually land it within about two guitars. And do guys that um, like go out on a tour, do, do, do you loan them stuff for the tour or do they get it at an artist uh, price? Oh, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of all, kind of, um, all of the above, depending on the, the situation. So, so I'm guessing you're I, not going to charge just, Paul McCartney for a guitar. Well, I've got to have a lefty here, and I've got to be able to get him in the room. I've, <laughs> I've tried to get him into the room a couple times. and still going to try it, but, uh, um, and I don't have a lefty here at the moment. It's, it's interesting because his guitar tech literally um, was like, oh, Paul doesn't need any more guitars. So he was like cutting me off. I didn't even have an opportunity. So I figured, well, I had the lefty in here, but you know, with the piano rig, he literally could just be sitting and have the whole orchestra with the concert grand. Dude, it makes you feel like you're 16 years old. Can you do like 30 seconds? 30 seconds, because it is about the guitar. Yeah, I know. Just let 30, me, let me grab the 30 seconds of improv, just so people can get a little taste of it. Why people get drawn into this room when they well, hear this thing? You know, if I could, he would have so much fun. He would feel like he's 15 years old. Don't play anything that's going to get me a copyright. <laughs> so um, let's see what to play. Um, oh, what to play? flabbergasted whenever I hear what you do on this thing. When Anything you can hear you can play. So yeah. I, I, I like to do string orchestrations for people that 
Wynn is such a great, he can ad lib. I mean, literally, I keep telling, for years I've been telling him he should do shows where he works a, like a 2,500 seater and he comes out and does five minutes of just jamming by himself with the whole orchestra and the choir and then hits the audience for suggestions like um, name a scene. Okay, husband and wife having a fight or somebody making a fast escape after a bank robbery. He can ad-lib all that stuff in a, like a split second. It's amazing. But I think it's a brilliant idea to have this and what you do drawing people in. Because, I mean, they're on a stage with a bunch of guitar players or, you know, in a facility like this where they walk by rooms all the time and hear guitars, but they don't well, hear that. You know, it's interesting. So I remember one time Michael Bearden, who was Michael Jackson's music director, and um, also he's music director for Gaga, and he, because the thing's robotic, and he comes in with a flash drive. And he, you know, because I told him before, you know, if you bring the MIDI files in, it'll play the real concert grand from your MIDI files. Yeah. And um, it was so, you know, that's the other thing. When artists come in and play it, when you know, keyboard players come in and play it, the discovery on their face and just knowing that the, the, a lot of times you don't even know what's going to come out of your hands. It just sounds so beautiful that I look at it like it tells you what to play, you know? And so when, when I share that with the artists, you know, they're just, first of all, I'm sharing, and then they share more with me, and it's just a much better relationship. It's a musical relationship, and they'll let me play musical doctor with them. You know, they'll let me for their, you know, trust in their babies and trust in me to try to find a solution to what they need to, to fix. What was going on during COVID? Were the stages dead because nobody? There was, was one time in March when I was kind of worried about how slow it was, but I haven't been slow. Um, uh, I actually um, decided that I needed to, if when it was slow here with COVID, then I actually started hitting the studios. I actually took some of the stuff and put it in a studio so that, um, that I had more options to be able to meet more people. It's funny because we were working with Davey Johnstone with Elton's band. And it's like, yeah, Davey Elton can, you know, play this from England. You can be here playing, you can wow. be playing it from England. So... Um, and so you get to be able to, it's on a whole music level. It's, it's not just about one thing. I call it sometimes selling guitars without selling guitars. Hey, you were born for this job. I mean, well, you know, I don't know about that. Well, but no, I, you have a very unique set of skills that are really appropriate for what you do. I mean, you speak musician, you speak guitar. That's the thing is it's, you have to speak music with them. Yeah. And, and you have to, you have to truly care about what their needs are. And sometimes you get a guy coming here just looking for another guitar thing and he's going to, you know, but you can usually smell them right out, you know, and just say, you know, this, this guy's just, you know, looking for a free guitar or whatever. But generally... Can't blame him. Well, <laughs> no, this in, room. in general, it's, like in, in, it's nothing about free because, like, um, um, I'm trying to think which Grammy tribute they were doing, but Earl... Probably, Earl is this bad light we're yeah. getting? Oh, yeah, you need to be on there. Yeah, we need yeah, to yeah, yeah, cruise yeah. around, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You can tell. We don't but do I a lot of remotes. <laughs> I just had to lend some guitars to Errol Cooney's with the Ricky Minor band, and they're doing a Grammy tribute thing for TV. And so that's why some of these guitars are white and black, because a lot of times, um, if I can sneak a white, get the white guitar on TV, sometimes the artists are like, better. yeah, because a lot of times the artists are like, oh, no white guitars. Hmm. 
because, but the thing is, a sunburst, a regular sunburst, will kind of disappear. So I've had opportunities where I had like Eminem on one of the late night shows and stuff, and the PRSs would pop because I was able to get the white guitars, and you don't even see the other guitarist in the middle. And your whites are so sexy; they really are. It, you know, it's uh, reminiscent of like '60s Fender. Well, see, that's why they did it. They did it for TV. Yeah. TV, they even called it TV White or TV Yellow or something. Is of black and white TVs. Um, go around the room. Talk about some of the other guitars on the wall. All right, let's see. People in the chat room must be asking about that. Here, let's. Here, yep. here we'll just go ahead and do this one. So this this one in the corner is a single cut 594 P90. This is a Vela Semi Hollow. This is a great like indie type guitar. They were loving this at the studio. Michael Blue over at Revolver was using this like nonstop. Tell me who Michael Blue is, just because Michael Blue um, did Kobe Calais' record, and of course you did the video with Ken Calais. So Sitting in the I actually head. took over Ken's room when uh, uh, he had left that, but he just recently put a Dolby Atmos room over there. So you're kidding? Yeah, so there you in the middle of doing some of the Fleetwood Macs and Dolby I, Atmos. I owe him a phone call. Um, he called me during COVID, just checking up, making sure you're okay. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I yeah. thought that was sweet of him. Um, what yeah. else you got? Let's there? see. So the, this is a David Grissom model. So this is a tremendous workhorse guitar, especially like down in Nashville. And it does have a really good coil tap system on it. Yeah. So you can turn these to single coils. But the best thing I can say about this is that where it sits in the mid-range with the humbuckers. Um, I've had guys trade me private stock guitars to get a hold of these. Um, for down in Nashville, so Ooh, these work great. This is the Paul Jackson Jr. model, which is a hollow body. And this one's great with an ebony fingerboard. This is the SCJ, which we don't make anymore. Um, Joe Nags, that was in charge of private stock, I think when he left the company to do his own company, they let him take that model with him, I think. I don't quote me on that one. Um, the orange one and the black one, these are both Fiores. These are the new marketeering models, which a lot of interest with the, um, with the artist. Um, and this one's a great workhorse guitar, too, because it can cover a lot of ground between single coil and humbucker. These are the, uh, the Silver Skies um, made offshore that are just wonderful, wonderful guitars. I have many, many artists that um, like them equally as much as the U.S. models. They're just a little bit different. The mid-range is a little thicker in the mid-range in the fundamental. Like around the 700 hertz kind of mid-range? Uh, I think he like, I'd say 300 to 1.5, 1.5K. Okay. Okay. It's just more like right in the string. Yeah. You know, so it doesn't sound, you know, some single cool guitars are sound a little more scooped out. And this one just sounds a little bit right in the meat of the note. And then these are the U.S. Pardon me. The U.S. Silver Skies. And this is a custom finish, custom 24, which is the mainstay. The business has a five-way, and it does a combination between humbuckers, and then it can go to a series this way and series that way, or both humbuckers with a trim. I like that, the way they mounted the knobs on that one with a little recessed area around it so that they don't... Oh, the, we call the divots. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, that was one of the, I actually got to design that knob, you know, that's one of the things too, drawing it all in K 
CAD and then working with the plastic injection molding companies and doing all that stuff. Wow. And then this is the Granger base. This is the Granger 4 base. Now you've got Tom's attention. <laughs> oh, there you go. Very nice. Yeah, and, the, and these are powerful, son. These are very, very, very powerful. Pickups are crazy on that thing. Yeah, I actually designed those too. I did, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, it was one of the projects I got one. So I worked on designing them first, and then I thought, man, I bet you that would be a really, really great blues pickup because that's a single coil because all the, the amount of magnet and steel I cheated too. Like on the, there was a guitar that uh, won Guitar of the Year at 305, and I cheated. I put some steel in there, which increases the inductance, which makes it stronger in the fundamental once again. Interesting. And um, I'll show you that when I get to it, uh, but it's over there. But uh, this is this is cool. This is a custom 24, but it has the piezo transducer, so um, it, it can do a really good simulation of an, uh, an acoustic guitar. I've worked with uh, Lloyd Bags on design in that. Good Lord, was it 18 years ago? <laughs> It it's, actually sounds like an acoustic. Oh, the hollow bodies. I've literally had um, where the hollow body electrics with the transducer rig actually sounded better than real acoustic guitars wow. with competition transducers. Yeah. Man, oh man. Toby, Toby Keith's engineer actually made a mistake. He thought that he had the lines in the wrong spots oh, really? because his guitar player, uh, Rich Eckhart, had one. And. Um, uh, he was playing the acoustic transducer, and he thought he, you know, he thought he had the, the channels wired. Some wrong. night when you're going to a show where somebody is using that feature, uh, and you're going, call me. I, I want to go hear that because I, I am sorely disappointed uh, when I hear anything plugged in that's supposed to. Oh, you know, what? I would say this: that it sounds very cool. It's very complex, and. Um, it's, it has six different. It's six. Can't count. Um, six <laughs> six different trans. Sorry, individual in, individual <laughs> transducers, and so the the first thing you do, and you know, it's weird because I designed that with that Eagles console, and it has uh, high and sweepable high and low pass filters. Yeah. So a piezo goes all the way down to DC and up past twenty K, but your acoustic guitar strings don't, oh, and right. they do some at different frequencies. So the first thing with each string is you need to frame in the, the frequency bandwidth for each string individually. Wow. And then uh, I had set it up with the, I had set no up idea that there was that much thought. Oh, it gets way, well, yeah, it even gets more complex than that. Um, it actually, um, so I had done it with um, just the EQ on the console to get it in. Good Lord, it sounds so good. It sounded like you put your head in the sound hole of the guitar. And then Paul said, well, let's do this with, um, because we always worked together and stuff, and it was always a blast. I miss that. Um, but we had six 31-band EQs, and so each string was going through a 31-band. So we set it by ear, and remarkably enough, the, the, the curve was identical, except from the frequency of the fundamental of the note of the open string. Okay. Yeah, so basically what we were doing, so if you have... This can be the same pickup, and you move it down here, it sounds like a middle pickup. You move it down here, it sounds like a treble pickup, but it's the same pickup. So you can imagine moving down to here, it's going to really be thrown off. Yeah. So you have all the harmonic and fundamental, fundamental information, but it's in the wrong ratio. And so uh, what we did is we basically boosted um, from the open string 
to the 12th fret second harmonic 6 dB for each string individually based on its fundamental note, uh, the range of the fundamental notes with the roll-off filters. And then we did a little bit of EQ for the top, you know, rep mimicking the top. And you anyway, guys thought so, this was sorry just going to be looking at second No, but I, I love yeah. this crap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you guys thought this was just going to be looking at sexy yeah. guitars. Uh, this is fascinating. But anyway, so it's, it's, it's very complex. And I wanted to get more complex with it. He said, when? Stop. No, it, it's really cool. This <laughs> no, is no, I'm talking man. about when I was designing it. Uh, I wanted it in stereo imaging, yeah. So. Uh, but it's all fun. Let's go down to that end of the room. All right. um, Tom, if you can, when you pan over to that side of the room, show the Eagles live console. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if this was live. This might have been, I think it was studio and then converted to live. Um, um, Wynn Win is like a hoarder of really cool. Well, yeah, well, he, well, here's the thing is, um, these are like, um, so you're painting with all the crayons, but these are the different canvases on which to create the picture. So when you were talking about using the EQ from the Eagles console as your inspiration, this was, yeah, when I, the I, this was the board that we were doing the piezo electric, yeah, that we designed it on this because it's fully sweepable high and low pass filters. Um, but this thing, good lord, when you just take right and left through it and the, the stereo image, yeah, uh, I mean, it. you always hear the story of all the analog stuff, but this is like exponentially. Is this a transformer or a transformer? Yeah, it's 400 pounds of transformer. Awesome. It's, it's complete. It's ironed out, yeah. Sweet. And I was lucky enough, I bought it from Maryland Sound to put in a nightclub in 1979. It was built in 71 by Cal Perkins, supposedly when it was engineer, head engineer at JBL. And, um, but anyway, so um, I knew the history on it. And post, like, post-disco, Rock or pre-disco rock bands didn't have kick, but um, uh, kick drums. In other words, they didn't have the the real heavy-duty punch in the right. kick drums. They had to compete with disco, and so that's when you see like the double fifteen, double eighteen scoops coming out in the PA systems. They wanted a four-band EQ board, so they were they wanted to get rid of this to get a a, a four-band EQ board, and so I. I snared it back, and it's criminal what I didn't pay for it. Yeah. But uh, I was always worried Joe Walsh, when he's over here, because he was building a studio in his house, I was always worried he was going to offer me more money than I'd be willing to let it stay here. So I'm thinking, well, what do you tell him? So I'm thinking, you know what, Joe, it's not for sale, but you're more than welcome to use it for free anytime. It, it, as soon as you start talking about rock bands not paying attention to the kick drum until disco, right. the first image that popped into my head is Joe Walsh. Because oh, his, okay. he did pay attention to the kick drums, yeah. but that's because he did his record. Well, you pay attention to drums. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. But, but I'm not a drummer. I just, but yeah, when you think of the history on it, yeah, you listen to a lot of the old records. Listen lucky, to the, lucky if you can hear a kick drum. Yeah, but listen to like early James Gang stuff. Anything that he worked on with Bill Simzik All right, always right. had great sounding kick drums. Yeah. Bill Simzik went on to do the Eagles uh, from one of these nights forward. So, so well, let's get to some guitars. Okay. So. The white one over here and this purple one. This is a McCarty 594 double cut. These are great sounding guitars. They sound like just a great PF vintage um, humbucker guitar. This is a Mark Tremonti, and this is um, a, it's a 16K three magnet. All I can say about this pickup is it lights up the tubes in the amplifier, and when you play a solo front of house, 
and the sound guy turns you up, you own the air. <laughs> so, I, you know, they, they may be extreme for some, but if you want something that just rips face, it's uh, pretty <laughs> unbelievable. It, it, don't go to them now, but I do want to talk about the amplifiers because. Oh, of course. Uh, I don't yeah. think in the what two or three times I've been here, we've never talked about the amps. Oh, so let's we'll, do that we'll, at some we'll point. That if we don't bore people, I'm trying not to bore people. So this is this is another Bella Hall body, but you can't screw up an all mahogany guitar. It's just I think it's impossible. So if you make an all mahogany, it's going to be, it has the potential to sound great. This is another custom twenty four in white that I use for TV. Here's the Granger five string bass and a four string with a maple fingerboard and then the SC Kestrel bass. And then this is an interesting guitar. So this is um, the studio model which these are hum canceling single coil voice pickups and um, actually this one actually works quite well and it has the coil tap as well for the um, uh, the treble pickup. Do you ever have people come in they literally want to play like most everything in the room just looking for the sound that lights them up? Well, see, what I try to do is they generally don't have that kind of time to do it. I do that with some people. Yeah. But I generally try to talk it through with them in about 10 to 15 minutes so you can that I can zero in on it that they're so I'm saving them time because I can just land, take the guitar and just go bam. And it's like, wow. Or After five been, minutes of talking to you, they would absolutely try no, to just, no, just no, trying to keep it fun, you know? I know. You, you underrate yourself, though. You don't realize. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm jaded, you know? I, I spent a lot of years working it's in easy, studios. It's and, easy to get jaded. But I, I feel like a kid in a candy store when I go. Well, that's what I want. I wanted to, it, look, you know what? If you're not having fun with what you're doing, it's just like, why are you doing it? Yeah. You know, no, you so it just, yeah, I try to have fun. Yeah. That's a hollow body SE Paizo. So that's yeah. a, in a less expensive version of the, um, the US one. This white one here is a, um, uh, this PRS special, which does a really great cold splitting and with the in-between sounds. It's just a very, very versatile guitar. And then the Zach Myers, which I think is the biggest selling signature model, um, artist signature model, I think with Sweetwater of all time, I believe. Um, yeah. Can you name off like a handful of your signature models? And, and don't walk away. So oh, I'm sorry. I want to um, talk about the acoustics too. Um, well, there's the Mark Latier at Fiori, um, and of course the. John Mayer, Silver Skies, the U.S. and the offshore ones. I'm surprised and that isn't the most popular model because he's just out there. Well, it is intensely popular. You know, um, well, the, our back order is absolutely insane. I don't know. I'm privy to put the number to it, but it's yeah, it's it's yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, that we've been most successful. And then David Grissom, he builds. You know, he has a great guitar. And, and Gary Granger on the bass, and I hope I, I'm sure I probably missed somebody. I hope not. And there, there were some other ones too. This, this is a kind of an interesting one. See, like this one. So this, they don't make this one anymore. But I always make the joke that this was one of the least expensive guitars. That was one of the coolest guitars in the room. So this was a Mushock baritone with an ebony fingerboard, tuned B to B. A what? What? What baritone? Um, Mike Mushock. Oh. It was the, the band Stained. Okay. But 
I modified it. I put a Tremonti in the treble, and then I, I, I needed a, a really great baritone for Nashville, but I needed to be able to compete with like the Dan Electros of things that they were all used to that they were they could try to beat it. And so this is a McCarty and this is a Tremonti, but it's already pre-wired in single coil mode. And I have a trick that I do with a resistor value that makes it an offset humbucker. So you get humbucker amplitude um, on the low frequencies, but then from like 200 hertz up, it's all single coil. So a lot of times when you wow. do a coil tap, it would sound like one day when I grew up, I'd like to sound like a real single coil. Yeah. Well, this doesn't do that. In fact, the lower you go in frequency, the more amazing it sounds. And so, um, yeah, this one almost sounds like it's piezoelectric. It's so clear and beautiful. You could write. Why you did could, you could, it? Well, it's just mark it, and then they've got on. Um, where's the other one? The, the other baritone is two seven seven. And this is the, the latest and greatest baritone with wow. the carved top. Gorgeous. So, yes, you know, just try, try to keep it fun. The other thing is when I have the piezo rigs and I'll, I'll play it through the, the DAW. And, I mean, think of the chain that it's going through. You want to try to make guitar sound good that people want to fall in love with it? Yeah. So it's going... Uh, through prism converters, you know, in the Eagles console and a set of vintage Westlake TM3s or vintage Tannoys. And it just, I mean, they're not, a lot of people just aren't even used to things sounding like that. And it's just, um, so it has the old school charm and the old school voodoo. And I remember those Westlake models, those like circa 1978, I think. These were actually from the 80s, yeah. I believe, like 85. I bought these from Bob Goldstein. I used to work with Bob at Maryland Sound. Um, and then, of course, you know, I was general manager at Hammerjacks in front of house engineer for you know, a long time over there. Helped put all that together. So I'm lucky these to be alive. West Coast these. standard. Well, it's a world suit. I think they, yeah. they would go for like $86,000 a pair of painted black and the custom cherry stain mahogany. It's like a three to $6,000 upgrade. Crazy. So it's nice to have friends that are willing to do you a favor. So. Wow. Um, talk acoustics. Ah, acoustics. Yes. Um, the path to get acoustics. So we originally... Um, made the Angelus and the Tenares. You want me to hold shot. it? No, it's okay. And then, um, so, but they were incredibly, incredibly expensive. So, they, they make these offshore with the same design. So this is the, the maple back and sides version. And so it's all decked I like it out. One-handed. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, and it actually is a really great. I believe it's a Fishman transducer in this one, and it it's interesting because I had the seven thousand dollar one in the shop, and it it sounds remarkable, but the uh, the the less expensive one set so great in the mix. Yeah. That I actually ended up using. Um, the less expensive ones um, 
just mic'd up. And I, it's funny because I'd never really been in the studio business. I was like mainly like live and just studio for my own stuff. But I remember seeing pictures of um, the Beatles at Happy Road with the microphones taped together. Yeah. And I'm thinking it reminded me of like with a, a double jack Marshall amplifier, you're getting double sets of harmonics. I said, well, I don't know if they did it for that, but man, that's a great idea. So I was listening to some Telefunken, you know, you know, expensive Telefunkens and stuff. And while they sounded great, I found out that I could actually, of course, I had phenomenal mic, old vintage, all these vintage mic pre's. Yeah. But um, it's remarkable how good it sounded just using the 58 and then like taking the slate microphone, but I would have it literally side by side so you'd sing in the 58 so yeah. you get the chesty, all the strong fundamentals of the fifth in the strength of the 58 with all the beauty and the charm of the big condenser right next to it. I noticed that you guys are actually, um, there's an ongoing debate amongst engineers. Taking a 57, do you shove it at the center cone of a speaker in a cabinet or do you go for the outside? And I see you've got one of each. Um, it just there. probably got knocked around. Um, quite honestly, it's you put it wherever it sounds good because you don't Correct. know what's on a speaker. <laughs> I've always been a little hesitant to put it right in the center because sometimes it's the high end is literally, um, you know, you, what did they say? Mic placement is your first main thing that you need to do before any kind of EQ. Mic choice or, and mic placement. Yeah, mic choice yeah. and placement, right. Absolutely. So, um, um, not with these speakers per se, but there's some speakers, especially if they got the aluminum domes, it's just like brain dart right, right. off of the voice coils. And so, um, my rule is that there are no rules as long as it sounds great and it doesn't break. There you go. There it goes. Yeah, yeah I, I was trained by Tom Dowd at Criteria and he always said, get down on your knees and Yeah, listen. that's it. You, have <laughs> you don't want to do that with an amp. Well, I do. <laughs> Blow your ears out. I, well, I've been lucky. I mean, all the years I should be deaf. You should be deaf. Um, <laughs> but my station tubes used to like close up, so I had like natural hearing. And so sometimes I need to open up a little if I'm yeah. really doing something that's important. Uh, tell us about amps while we're looking at those yes. guys over there. Okay, well, uh, can you pan over I'm a real I'm very, very fond of the Archon 100s um, because it's also switchable to 50 watts or 100 watts. But these are probably, this is probably the, one of the most vicious amplifiers I've ever been around in my life. And I was very blessed. I, I have a stunning 1971 100-watt Super Lead that I've sold three times to have to go find it to buy it back three times for more money. Wow. But this, when, the, when one of the guys that was working on this, was he was working on the distortion circuit, I said, well, you know, you got 100 watts there. Make sure one thing that a lot of guitar amplifiers don't have is they don't have a really great clean channel. You know, they might be really good at dirty, but then you have to have a second amp. So this amplifier, is the clean channel is like you're playing through a tube PA system for your guitar. It has so much room. If you're playing a single coil guitar, it's like you're. It's so dynamic. It's like you're part of the drum kit. And so I call this industrial clean and industrial dirty. Um, and one of these, and they sometimes make them this way, but I modified the purple one over here. This is an Archon 100. I modified this because I wanted to be able to do some very lyrical um, um, solos. You know, this, the 6L6s are very, you know, very low, great highs, but I wanted to have some of that old British mid-range in the output tubes. So it's switchable 
on from you have the four output tubes so if 50 watts it's at 100 watts it's all four of them so one of the tricks I learned by accident in the old days and Aspen Pittman turned me on to it He's, wow. he, he, there's he's, a name I haven't heard yeah, in 30 well, years. He said, man, listen to your amplifier. It's got so many harmonics. And he looks at the back and says, oh, you, you're, you've got four different types of output, not types output, but makes of output tubes. Yeah. They weren't matching. So what we love is the nonlinear stuff. Right? And so I, what I did is I put EL34s in this one so it gets more lyrical mid-range. And then I put... um. Uh, JJ's in the center. No, no, I put old school Mullards in the center. So when you flip to 50 watts, it's old school Mullards, you know, British style. And then when you flip it to 100 watts, it kicks in the JJ's. And so the, while they're both EL34s, they're just harmonic. It just creates harmonic generation in the output stage. How long should somebody who uses their amp on the regular, how long should they use the tubes that it came with before they need to change them? Look, I'm, I'm a bad person on that one because <laughs> I believe if it sounds great, don't change it or take the amp off the road and just use it to record with when it's like that because as soon as you put new tubes in it, it's probably not going to sound the way you love it. Even if you put the exact Unless it had new tubes in it when you got it and that was exactly how you liked it. What we like is when the tubes just kind of get off a little bit and they're yeah. non-linear. That's, that's when it creates all the extra harmonics and stuff and it sounds less solid state, even though it's tube. So yeah, you want to, if you want to, and it's 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 not a rule. It's a basic a guideline thing yeah. because every amp is different. But boy, you can change one tube. If I change the the the, the driver tube in this, I mean, one might have a. I think that if I have the numbers right, might have a transconductance of sixty, and you get another one that's like thirty-five or twenty-seven or something. And it's just like, it's like having a completely different amplifier by changing one tube. In fact, it's really frustrating because if you have something that's great and then all of a sudden something blows up, it's like you need to be able to, um, to recreate that. So what I tell all my friends is you should take every tube and number the tube and document which kind of tube it is, the plate structure, which position it's in, and put it on two tube tester and get the transconductance number. If you truly want to be able to completely have your amp be in the old way that it was, yeah. you need to go through do the homework. Because you otherwise, the, you're the coolest nerd I know. Uh, well, <laughs> you, are, you know so much about this stuff. It's um, mind I just know enough to get me in trouble. Yeah, I know a lot. Uh, I, I'm sure that people in the audience are. So what the hell is he talking about? No, I'm, I'm uh, sure that they're, I hope they you know, like guys who own amps that might be ready. Well, to I tell you what, don't, don't get me started, but at some point, if you ever have another show and you want to do on libraries, I'm a library fanatic for, for sounds, you know, for the. Oh, you mean you know, for as the, far you know, as sample you know, libraries? Yeah, yeah. Sample libraries. Yeah, because to me, the magic is sometimes you can get one sound, and generally what I'll do is I'll record it just to see how it translates to a recording. Yeah. But you better record, do it right at the beginning because sometimes the sound is so inspirational for the first time that it just delivered a whole song to you from beginning to end, you know. And so you better. I, I I can't tell you how many songs I've I definitely must have lost more music than I could ever be aware of, you know. Because I don't record. What's your current favorite string library? And then we'll get back to guitars. Well, see, the thing is with my I. Uh, I used to mix symphony orchestras and rock bands, so the, one of the wildest shows I ever had, I had the Fifth Dimensions, whole musical 
production with 64-piece symphony orchestra and the Paul Reed Smith Band simultaneously. 105 mics, 96 channels. Wow. Outdoors in the July heat. Um, but anyway, um, so one thing that, um, if you got a computer that where you can, that's powerful enough to do it, mine, I can drive about 40 uh, soft synth samples simultaneously. So one of the things is to mix them up so it gives the chaos of having a real section. So it just doesn't sound like a sample repeating itself. So if you got some of the Albion stuff, like the flotata strings in Albion 1, I, I, no, Albion 2. I, I got that whole library just for that. It just sounds like the beginning of Batman or something, yeah. But uh, dude, we're talking about nerding out. Yeah, I can nerd out. You are a nerd. Stuff, so, yeah. <laughs> in the best possible way. Uh, what the about crayons. the ants that's on the right? Well, these are all Archon 100s. And Both the reason okay. these are all one Archon 100s is because so I can um, also flip-flop if the bass player wants to be over there. It's so clean and powerful. Like Alex Al that also played with Michael Jackson was over here. And he was blown away when playing the baritone through it. It was low frequency. And he's doing like the bass line. The, the chords and a melody line simultaneously on a baritone. And it, it was so clear and clean. He says, wow, so I could use this for a bass amp. But wow, and it's got a distortion channel too, so I can have distortion on the bass. So it's, it's set up like that. And um, I do have some great other amps, the David Grissom amplifiers. Boy, every time you play those things, you feel like you just want to hit the record button. They're a little pricey, but... Um, the, uh, what about them makes them so sexy? The what? What about them makes them so sexy that um, you well, hit the record button? Well, Doug Sewell and Paul spent a lot of time and money, and David too. David's got a phenomenal ear. Um, but this is, to me, it it's, uh, uses um, what are EL84s, has four EL84s, and it's also got a, a circuit in the back you can do for, the, for those of us who don't know is that a tube designation yeah it's a tube designation it's like the, i think what they use in the vox ac30 so it's yeah. kind of like a hopped up vox ac30 but it just sounds all the distortion on that is all dynamic sometimes like with the archons it's just rip your face off right but the uh um the distortion on this amplifier on the grissom 30 is the breakup is all dynamic in your hands, so it's a vocal musical distortion, hmm. and um, and it's and it's depend it's it's emotionally dynamic with the distortion on how you're playing the guitar. So that one that's cool. And then you were so born to do this job. <laughs> <laughs> were, I, I, every time I hang out with you, it's like. Is there anything more that I can learn from this guy? You're, well, um, you're see, an encyclopedia. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's an encyclopedia. Yeah, you are. Um, I had um, I I well, was, would be able to show you the John Mayer JM100 amplifier because we built John's amplifier, but I just sent that off to Keith Urban. So and then he's looking for another one. So and these are the new Archon 50s. These are the the less expensive versions, which are probably a little more classic voice. To me, the, the original Archons are, you can just take into a level of vicious, like no other. But, but these are probably a little more predictable voiced, a little more classic voiced. What Both kind of do you use in the cabinets? Um, uh, the Celestians most of the time. I believe they use the, a lot of vintage 30s, but they modify them. They break them in. Um, really? Yeah, they... 
Paul modifies everything. Yeah, and rightfully so. I mean, there was one time when I was working on an amp project and we had this one shipment. You'd get these big boxes of speakers from Celestion. Yeah. And they're supposed to be the same sound. They'd be the same model. It should sound they're the not. same, right? So we had this one box that was just an oddball box, but it was they sounded tremendous. And so we took one, we're thinking, there's got to be a reason for it. So we took it apart and looking at the voice call and the CNC coil winders incorrectly wound the voice coils. Usually the you know the layers lay right on top of one another. Yeah. Well, they were offset. So, oh, so they it was cre it was creating harmonic generation once again. And so it was just something about it that just sounded better. And we tried to ask them to make it and it's like we were told it's just not proper. So did you it's just not proper. So, so did not. you guys modify them like going and rewind no, them? We no, we didn't. It's too much to do for yeah. more to speak with company. But we tried to get them to ask them to, to do that for us, to, to deliver and make them the wrong way, and he wouldn't do that. Well, we'll have to start a, a campaign of yeah. people emailing them. Um, all right, let's sit down. How are we doing on time? Uh, we got like 20 some minutes left. Oh, okay. Let, let's sit down and take questions from the audience. Yeah, let's do that. Um, yeah. Just because there's such a wealth of information. Uh, that sounds like the okay. Yeah, we can sit over here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was, I think, the lot of Okay, hang on, everybody. i got to find the chat room. <laughs> Tom's waving his arms. Yes. Holding the laptop for an hour now. Sorry, Tom. That's one way to build the muscles up in your forearms. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to figure this out, everybody. Well, here. Uh, oh, shit. <laughs> no. I just lost us. Where did it go? Yeah. All right. I'm guessing that it's over there somehow. Um, I'm well, here. Let's look at when. You can talk about stuff while I try and refine the chat room. Coffee machines. <laughs> yeah, tell yeah, us about the coffee machine. <laughs> um, let's see. We, we can get into. Um, oh, these are interesting. I don't know how to do this. Oh, have I got one still one over here? Huh? Yeah, you're so, Yeah, so these um, pickups, I believe, that were originally on the Starla. Yeah. And the oh, double okay. screw um, pole pieces on this one. And um, sort of reminiscent of the Gretsch. Filtertron, as I believe, like on the white one over there. I don't know if you can see the white one. That one's got the same kind of pickups. But uh, this is a really great indie type guitar. Um, it shocks a lot of people. It's also all mahogany, which, like I say, it's really difficult to mess up an all mahogany guitar. What's that color called? Uh, Seafoam Green Metallic, I believe, because there's a if you. If I move it around, it's got like a silver metallic in it. Oh, yeah, I can but see it. But basically, it looks like it would be a seafoam green, except it looks like it's got a, a slight, like, silver spark. If I can really it. hear your uh, your Baltimore... Uh... I know, it won't go away. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, there we go. Now we've got the chat open. Um, All right, I'm going to give this chair back to Tom. Well, actually, you need the chair. You need a... No, I'll yeah, take it. Thank you. Boy, once a live guy, always a live guy. Uh, where's the air conditioner? Oh, make it a little cooler. 
Just push it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, that sun starts. You can bring this down. Oh, down. Once that sun starts coming on the other side, it starts getting more steam. Here you go, Tom. I'm going to give you this one. Yes. It's amazing the difference on the, um, the tunings of the guitars with the temperature in the room. It's a, change more than you think. Wrong screen. I'm going to switch back. Yeah, I got it now. Ooh. Working on it. Awesome. All right, I've got both of them. Okay. Um, so first question is she. And you guys should type in the word question in all caps so it's easy to spot them in the chat. Uh, does PRS still offer a string through hardtail solid body? When you say string through, do you mean from the back of the guitar? Sure. Oh, can they, they can hear me though, right? Yeah, they can yeah, hear you. Yeah. Just, uh, so I mean, so we'll take string through lobby. Yes, Mark oh. says yes. This I don't think to go. Um, you know what? I might take that back. Let me look at the Fiora. They may have done it, but that's a trem guitar. Problem is, some of these guitars I haven't. I wasn't part of the design, so I'm not, because I've been out here nine or ten years. So, not that, that I recall, I know the, um, I think the Mooshock baritone, when they made that, that was, um, that was spring through, but I don't know currently if they have one. I don't think so. Uh, Martin Gravel asks, let's Mike make Michael a bit nervous. So which one of these guitars is the prize for tonight? <laughs> oh, I didn't know there was a prize. Is no, there, there a prize? There's not a prize. Oh, look at that. <laughs> nice try, Mark. Good job. <laughs> I'll get you a PRS <laughs> sticker for you. Well, your, we should have uh, said something ahead of time. We probably could have done something. Yeah. Well, honestly, you guys gave away a prize at the Road Rally. Absolutely. So I didn't want to ask twice in the same 12-month well, period. Don't hurt to ask. Uh, let's see, uh, John Clavin says, I am surprised you don't make more hollow body, single F-hole with a less paw body shape. What's up with that? Um, I don't know if they're making the single cut hollow bodies anymore. That's, that's like I showed you my employee guitar. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, as far as I know, the only single cut hollow body 594 Paizo in existence. I did think, I thought I saw that somebody had made one um, maybe a semi-hollow, but not the full hollow. This, do you, are, you, are you talking about the semi-hollow or, or a full hollow? It takes about 20 yeah. seconds for them to respond. Oh, okay. It's got to bounce off the moon and back. That's good. While we're... Uh... I'm also not the marketing department, so <laughs> I'm, well, I'm an extension of it, I guess, with artist relations, so to speak, but... You know, that was the fun part when I was, uh, I, when I first came from uh, R&D and, you know, creating a lot of the guitars and then I came to Artist Relations, I did make a lot of custom guitars, custom guitars for artists. Um, but I don't know if, they, I, they're, we're so busy with work that I don't think there's a whole lot of that. I'm still anymore. blown away by the fact that you get paid to do this. Shh. This <laughs> <laughs> is the semi-hollow. Uh, the semi-hollow, I, um, the, the Zach Myers, here, I'll even grab it, hold on a second. Let's get you. Yeah, so they, and this, I think, is the, uh, one of them, 
solve single cut hollow bodies of an artist model. Yeah, they made wow. this. And that is truly gorgeous because it's got the blue front and the natural wood sides and back on it. Mm -hmm. Gorgeous. Yeah. So you, you can get these. This is the Zach Myers model with the stop tail bridge. So uh, Andre asks, I have the 245. What makes the Santana model besides the sustain? The 245. Oh, you mean the um, 24.5 um, uh, scale length? I think that's what he's talking about. And so, with, it's a Carlos, is it an SE? SE guitar? I would say basically sustain is a function of the setup. Uh, the woods that are involved, the bridge materials, um, and, and the nut materials. You know. Is it an ongoing thing that people strive to keep? Is there such a thing as too much sustain? No, I don't think so. I mean, sometimes you like a staccato sound and you use a, a, a maple fingerboard, but um, um, or you just do the staccato yourself, but they yeah. generally like a guitar that'll just naturally ring. You know, that, that, I mean, that's that's the goal. I remember there was a time when we were holding the at, at the Smithsonian the $30 million ornamented quartet, and they were letting us study those instruments to so we could study how, you know, Stradivarius made the best violins and cellos in the world. And, and I tell you, man, when you did that, hit that cello, it sounded like the human voice. It was, it was pretty bad. And, um, and so Paul's, a, you know, Paul literally has all kinds of medals um, in his office. Yeah. I mean, he, you think I'm a nerd with this stuff? Yeah. <laughs> he, he goes down to the, the, the teeniest little level of everything in alloys. And so he's got samples of all these alloys and you basically you hit it. He'll even do that with a wood in his wood library. You can hold the neck blank up and tap the neck blank and see how long it sustains if he's built a custom guitar is, for somebody. Is there a holy grail for guys like you and Paul? Anything that you can talk about, there may be something that's your holy grail. You mean of guitars? Yeah. Uh, something that works right and that just plays and inspires you. That's And it's simple. It doesn't have to be expensive. It just has to, it has to just, it just has to work. I've got to say, your love for this guitar, I mean, like three times today you went back to this guitar and talked about how great it is. Well, it surprised me. Yeah. It really, I mean, it surprised me because, especially at the price point, I don't know, I, I, look, I was thinking, look, the last thing I need is to go buy another guitar. <laughs> and when that guitar came out, it was like, oh, damn, I might have to get one of those. And I'm thinking like, man, right, you need, you're around, you know, yeah. 50 guitars a day. You know, plus I've got a, you know, I've got a couple. And, but, and you can play them until you're, when you buy one and you get bored with it or you've just explored everything you can, you're still stuck with it. You're the owner. Here, you get a revolving door, a carousel of right. awesomeness. Yeah, but the, the only, the, and this isn't a bad thing to say, but <laughs> when, um, it's, I, I originally was a guitar player, 
but I switched over to keys because when I get home after working around guitars all day long, when you pick up a guitar after being at work all day long, it feels like you're back at work. I know. And people yeah. always say, what, what do you listen to at home? I don't. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I listen to too much already. But, um, and so, you know, but uh, the, the other thing is I need to start practicing my butt off because I get some of the best guitar players in the world come in here and I like to, I, I don't want to feel like an idiot in the room with them, you know. I don't want to just plunk a couple notes and feel like the dummy in the room. At the upcoming Road Rally, which is November 3rd through the 7th, I think, this year, uh, live at the West End, unless we have another massive outbreak of COVID, we're going to be there. That Hopefully be you, you guys will be back. Um, I would love to do an hour with you and two or three of my favorite taxi members who are like virtuoso guitar players and just do like a player's jam up in, in the upstairs ballroom one night. Oh, well, it's weird because with the keyboards, it's a little more difficult for me to jam on the keyboards. Cause, no, I'm talking about guitar. Oh, I was going to say guitars a lot. First of all, guitars, I find guitar more fun to play in the band. Yeah. First of all, you know, it's funny because I used to work with these keyboard players and I won't mention name, but one of the things that you always wanted to do is they're so jealous of the emotion that you can put just through the string and the control. And having to do a mod wheel on a keyboard is not really the same thing. You just you're detached. And there's a couple things like the harpeggio and a couple things where you can get in there and sort of do it. But um, I know that's one of the things a lot of keyboard players have been trying to do is to be able to get that emotion tactile to their fingers with the vibratos yeah. and there's ways to I, I've seen a couple of new same. products hit the market yeah. in the last two years yeah. but I haven't heard anybody raving about any of them uh, but Tom remind me of that when we get close to the I'll rally to. I, mean, I, I think that would be a really fun night with like uh, Keith LeBrant and uh, I can't remember his name from excuse me Phoenix area best like greasy chicken picking guitar player well the other thing too is you know um, I have a over a 12 to 14 Rolodex of probably some of the best guitar players in the world. If you want them to come to your show or be a part of your show, I'd be happy to, you know, we can Ooh. talk to them and, you know. Maybe we should do that. Maybe yeah. we could do a clinic night or a clinic class or we something. We can do anything. Just, All right. You just keep it fun. Cool. Yeah. It's always fun at the road. Yeah. Night. All right. Hit us with another question, please. So uh, Nancy asks, where is the first PRS electric guitar ever made for sale kept? Um, there's a room, uh, an archives room. Now it might have moved in the past nine to ten years, but there was a, we had a, an artist relations stock room there, and adjacent to that was an archives room where a lot most of the archived guitars. And I think they Paul went on a pretty good hunt looking for a lot of the, you know, the, the guitars that were part of the history, trying to get that stuff back. Does he have a personal favorite, Paul? I think he, I think he would say the same thing I did is that he just wants something that just really works. If your emotion can pass through it and you know and it sounds great and it's inspiring you, what more can you ask for? Then it's worth every penny. I've got to say, uh, John Mayer. Um, yeah, this guy's really. I wasn't around for the design of that one because I was out here. But they really did nail that, and the, even the marketing launch of it was exceptional. He's such a great player. Yes, he is. He, he is a world class. I mean, I've worked with Eric Clapton. I would put John Mayer uh, on a parallel stage with him. 
I think John Mayer's gifted. He's special. Anyway, he is. He is. Uh, one more question or a couple more questions. Uh, Marion asks, what kind of cello is that over behind the piano and who plays it? Um, I mess with it because I'm into strings so much. I created a, a, a wacko thing where uh, I was using it uh, pitch to MIDI where I was being the first chair of, uh, of the cello and then I would drive the whole digital section behind me with it. Yes, I'm a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> you are, but in the best possible way. Um, and so, yeah, I, mean, I love strings nerdy. so much that I felt I needed to go ahead and get one. I've got my father's hundred-some-year-old violin, too. And I've got one of those fr uh, laminate fingerboards with frets that you can do in there, and it's just like, I don't And I even Mark Wood, he lent me a seven-string prototype. I just don't know how you just freaking do it. You can even, just trying to hold it is, seems monumental. Speaking of frets, um, do different models have different metals used in their frets? Um, not is a fret is a fret. Is a fret. Usually, it, no. There's there's different alloys and stuff. Um, I'm not sure what they're currently using now. It's usually, I believe, a a, a nickel or something to be hard. Yeah. Some kind of guys like stainless. Though I always found that stainless was the dead metal. When you drop it, it just goes bonk. Right. Um, and so if the string's vibrating on that, I don't know if that's the best possible material to use. But, I mean, there's nickel and stainless. But, um, uh, frets, the David Grissom guitar uses bigger frets. I think it's more of the size and the width and the crowning on them. Interesting. All right. Another question? Uh, they're, uh, they're asking if you're a fan of Jordan Rudis. I used to play with Jordan Rudis. He was the second keyboardist in my very first band. Wow. I played for five years with Jordan. And yes, he was an inspiration. I grew up in keyboard royalty. My first keyboardist player in my very first band was Richard Elliott, who's the head organist for the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. My second keyboard player I played for five years was Jordan. And then over the Cathedral of Mary Queen where they let me play the pipe organ every day after school. The director there, Robert Twynham, was a composition student of Olivier Messiaen, one of the French Impressionistic masters. And then there's a guy named Randall Mullen that I studied with that does all the Hawkwork videos, probably one of the best pipe organists on the planet. So I, I was very, very blessed. Yes, I love Jordan. Yeah, he's awesome. Glad you asked that question. I just uh, try not to use names, but yes, yes, yeah, you asked. <laughs> All right, uh, we've got time for probably two more. Oh, I think we're caught up. Let's see if anybody asks any more. This room is just unbelievable. Well, the whole idea is to get used for full band. This thing sounds so freaking good that just track you just track everything out of the mic trees on it, and almost before even doing anything, it almost sounds like a finished record before you even do anything to it. Yeah. But that's uh, the fun. No thing. more questions. Apparently, you you questioned out. Huh? Here we oh. go. Uh, what are the differences between on and offshore guitars besides the price? Uh, the quality of the builder. It depends if you talk about our people or other companies. Yours. Um, our company, uh, one of the top people at the company, Jack Higginbotham, for I understand, literally goes to the factory. They basically show them the way that we make guitars and we transfer all of our, uh, you know, I wouldn't say historic ways, but just the 
you know, the ways that we make guitars and the trying times and the techniques and that's all expressed to them and you know what sometimes the other companies too have things that we learn from yeah. but um but it's the it doesn't have to be expensive to be good it just has to be done well yeah uh you got another one uh, and you yeah, have to you, care yeah do you make a seven string model um i believe they do there's a, um um um, yes, yeah, come to the next question. While I'm thinking about that, I'll let it just fall to Yes, got, we do. Got one more for you. Uh, how many guitars? Mark Holcomb. See, if you don't think about it, it comes right to you. I believe there's a Mark Holcomb seven string. It's funny how that works. You stop, stop thinking about things, and all of a sudden the brain just clears up. Oh, there it is. Yeah. They say walking into a different room will bring things back, but we can't do that right now. <laughs> and final one, when How many guitars do you think you actually own? I don't, actually, it's interesting. I always enjoyed having one guitar that I loved. I was never one when I did gigs playing guitars. I actually usually only brought one guitar. Um, I guess I sh most of the time I should have brought a second one in case I broke a string. I remember one time I was being a real young, and this is when I was in high school too. Um, we were playing, I only had one guitar, I broke a string and I didn't have replacement strings and I actually had to tie it into a knot to get through the gig. <laughs> I know it's hysterical, but it, it worked. How did you do that? You tie it into a knot and clip it off and, and, and I had to, I literally had to get through, I didn't, but I, I've always, I always believe in just using what you love. The knot didn't get too tight and like pop. No, no, but anyway, so I, how many guitars? Okay, answer it. So, one, two. <laughs> I don't know. I might have. I might have like four guitars. Right, four you, five. Why, yeah. Why would you need any when this is where you work every yeah. day? Well, like I said, I, I usually like. I just usually like just having the one guitar that I truly just love to play. And you know? I love to play that. And, and unless there's a real reason for me to have to pick up something else. Because the other thing is the, the employee guitars that I showed you are incredibly versatile. They're, they're like five trick ponies. And so I can cover a lot of ground with that. So. Plus, I'm, I, I kind of have one kind of style. I'm like real aggressive rock on keyboards and then I'm more classic. I mean, I'm, I'm classical on keyboards, but really aggressive rock. I don't say metal, but aggressive, like progressive rock on, um, on guitar. So it's weird. So when you mix the two together, it sounds kind of like a Danny Elfman film score with 100 watt Marshalls. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. th this has been better than I imagined it would be. I hope that the people. Yeah, I hope uh, you enjoyed it. Thank you for listening and putting up with me. Yeah. No, it, it's whoever gets a chance to hang out with a guy like you. You know. Oh, we, got, we got people all the time. You can come by anytime. It's just COVID. I, I yeah. think that for the upcoming road rally, assuming that PRS comes back again as a sponsor. Um, let's whoever wins the guitar gets to come down here and spend a couple oh, hours with you. Wouldn't yeah. that be cool? Yeah, bring some uh, of your staff. You got any staff that are guitar players? Just come, bring them down. And that's um, it's all here for the share. You know, the sharing and the learning, and you know, it would like I said, when you give forward, it comes back tenfold. So you just do the right thing and you help. And well, you, help, so. you definitely uh, give forward and just. Thank you to, to you and to Bev for, yeah, and the for making, opportunity. This, yeah, and making this happen. And um, 
where can they, uh, PRS.com, is or is it Paul Reed Smith? PRSGuitars.com. PRSGuitars.com. Now that you've been educated and you know all about them, go buy one. Yeah. <laughs> they are a sponsor. They do make the road rally possible for us. Anyway, with that, I bid you a fond farewell. Um, I'm taking next Monday off, so Taxi TV will be on hiatus next Monday, but back the Monday after that. We will see you guys then. Hit the music, Tom. Take care. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Just let it run a little bit and hit that green button.